text for today is from Matthew chapter 25. We heard just a few moments ago. It's the first of three parables that Jesus tells all about the great and glorious day of the return of the king. Have you ever been caught unprepared for something? I'm sure all of us can tell a story, either a painful story or a somewhat humorous story about a moment in our lives where we were caught unprepared. Maybe it was a time where someone came over to our house unexpectedly and they came in on our house with a total mess. Or a time where we were preparing for maybe a dinner party and we're trying to prepare the food and the casserole's burning and it's not working, the guests show up and you're just not prepared. Or when you were in school or if you are in school and you show up and oh my goodness, there's a test that you're just totally not prepared for. Either you forgot about it or it's a surprise test, these moments of being unprepared, being caught unprepared, we've all experienced it. I think they can work their way into our subconscious, into, into our dreams. Some of us, some of you, actually have dreams about being unprepared, nightmares. I have a recurring dream, a recurring nightmare, where I'm here at church, and all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, we're about to have a worship service. And all these people are in the sanctuary, it's full, and the music is playing, we've got just a couple of minutes to go, and I can't find my Bible, and I don't know, and I realize I have not written a sermon. What was I thinking? And in my dream, I'm literally frantically trying to think up of a sermon there with minutes to go, and it's two minutes, one minute, and then all of a sudden I wake up in a cold sweat. You see what you people do to your pastors? The, the stress, the fear, the worry. It's a terrible feeling to be caught unprepared. And Jesus doesn't want you to be unprepared. He wants you to be ready. He wants you to be watching for what? For the day of his glorious return to this world. It's a day that the Bible describes throughout Scripture. It's a day of glory. It's the day of resurrection. It's a day where the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, breaks through in all of its fullness, and all of this broken world is healed, is restored, and there's no more sadness, and no more sorrow, and no more disease, and no more death, and no more injustice. The old order of things has passed away and God himself wipes away all of our tears. And Jesus wants you to be prepared. And he wants you to be ready. He wants you to be watching for that day. And so he tells this parable which says this in verses 1 and 2. The kingdom of heaven, the coming of the kingdom of heaven, will be like ten virgins, we could say ten bridesmaids, that's what they are, who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. The bridegroom there symbolizes Christ. Five of the bridesmaids were foolish, and five of the bridesmaids were wise. Now here Jesus is making a big distinction between two very different categories of people. We have the foolish on the one hand and we have the wise. 
We have those who are not prepared and those who are prepared. Those who aren't ready and those who are ready. Those who aren't watching and those who really are watching. The foolish and the wise. And I think it's easy for us as Christians here at a 10 o'clock service that we had to go online and sign up for and here we are at church. I think it's easy for us to read a story like this and say, I love it when Jesus does this because we, we're the church, we're Christians, we are the ones who are wise and everyone else out there outside the walls of the church, they're the foolish ones. And maybe they are. But who is Jesus addressing this parable to? Who is he speaking to in this discourse of his return? He's speaking to his disciples. He's not speaking to the crowds of people. He's speaking to the disciples. He's speaking to his followers. He's speaking to the church. And what Jesus is saying is that even within the church, the visible outward manifestation of the church, there are those who are wise and those who are foolish, those who are prepared and those who are not. So then we ask, well, how do I know that I'm one of the wise ones and not one of the foolish ones? How do I know I'm one of the ones who are prepared? Well, let's see what we can learn from Christ here in verses 3, 4, and 5. Jesus goes on in his parable and he says, for when the foolish bridesmaids took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise bridesmaids took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. And this delayed of the bridegroom, this is the time from the resurrection and the ascension of Christ to his second coming. And it's a delay. There's a certain time known only to God when he's going to return in his wisdom and his plan. But it's the description here of the wise bridesmaids, and they bring their lamps, and they also very appropriately bring oil along with them. But the foolish ones, they bring their lamps, and they're there with them, but they don't bring any oil. Now look, Bible scholars, commentators, theologians have tried for 2,000 years to try to figure out what is meant by this oil. What does the oil symbolize in this parable? Lots of people have given lots of answers. I'm going to give you the answer today. What does the oil symbolize? We don't know. We don't. We don't know what it symbolizes. The oil is whatever you need for you to be prepared. So fill in the blank. But what Christ is saying, the heart of what he's saying, the point he's making is this. The wise bridesmaids, they bring their lamp, they bring their oil, plenty of oil. Why? Because they really are excited. They really want to meet the bridegroom and to be in that wedding feast. They don't want to be meeting the bridegroom, the wedding feast. That is a top priority for them. They are not apathetic at all. It's what they're living their life for. The foolish ones, they're there. They're waiting. They've got their lamps, but they don't bring any oil. It would seem that meeting the bridegroom for them is not a top priority. It is a low priority. It would seem that they're going through the motions and that there is a great sense of apathy 
on their part. So this is what Christ would ask of you through the means of this parable. He would ask of you today, are you apathetic about being with me? Am I a priority in your life? Am I a top priority in your life? Am I just something that's nice to have? It's not a need to have? Is it some, am I something that you, it's nice to have in your life? Jesus doesn't want to be just a little thing that you add to your life. He wants to be your life. Because he knows that he is what you were made for and designed for. That Jesus, through this, would ask you, what are you focusing on? What have you been focusing on the last week, the last month? Where, where have you been placing your hope? You placing your hope, focusing on the stock market? Look, we need our daily bread. He tells us to pray for our daily bread and the things that we need to support this body and life. But that he doesn't want us to be our focus or our hope. Where are you placing your focus, your hope? In the Denver Broncos? I hope not. Jesus would say, where are you placing your, your focus, your hope? Is it on a map that has blue states and red states and you hope that some of the red will turn blue or the blue will turn red? Your hope is in a political party? Look, we need, it's a good gift of God, government, but it's not where our focus and our hope lies. Look, when I read 1 Thessalonians just a few moments ago, these words of Paul, this Describing this wonderful day of the return of Christ and of resurrection. And when it says, so we will always be with the Lord. And when you hear those words that one day you will always and forevermore be with the Lord, is, is your mind, is your heart saying, yes, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Or when you hear that, you will always be with the Lord. You think, well, you know, that is really nice. That's really nice. I want that. I do, I do, I do, I do. I got, you know what? Can you just delay a little bit? I got a lot of goals, a lot of plans, a lot of things I want to accomplish in my life. So if you could just delay that till say one minute before I die, that would be great. I think that's a good diagnostic tool. What's the content of your prayers? Again, Jesus says, pray for your daily bread. It's in the Lord's prayer. We pray for our daily bread and what we need. Absolutely, pray, pray, pray for those things. But are you also praying for the kingdom to come? Are you praying for your faith to grow? Are you praying that you might know Jesus and grow closer to him? Are you praying that for your children or your grandchildren? I hope so. I'm a parent, I know how easy it is to, to, we want worldly, we want our children to be successful and have happy and good and healthy lives in this world. Of course we do. But if you're praying more for your children's success in the classroom, or if you're praying more for your children's success on the ball field, soccer, or basketball court, or whatever it might, praying more for that than for their eternal salvation, We don't know when this day will come. Not a scary day, a glorious day. What you were made for day. Verse 6 says that at midnight there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. 
And then all of the virgins, those bridesmaids, rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. I mean, we, we can't do it for you. And the point here, when did the cry come? At midnight, when they least expected the bridegroom to arrive is when he arrived. Brothers and sisters, do you believe, do you know Jesus could return this very night? Jesus Christ could return in all of his glory before I finish this sin tense. Do you really believe that? I struggle to believe. You know, I've lived my whole life, 49 years. He hasn't come back yet. What are the odds? What are the chances? And that's his whole point here is it's when you least expect, like a thief in the night, he says in other places, at midnight, it could be in a second or it could be in a thousand years. But he says, verse 13, watch therefore, because you know neither the day nor the hour. He wants us to watch every day. What if we really lived our lives that way? Thinking today could be the day. What if we really lived our lives that way? Do you know the, liberate, the liberation, the freedom it would bring? Look, Jesus is saying, watch. He's not wagging his finger. I mean, he's being stern and he's being direct. He's not being mean. Jesus is trying to scare us. He's being direct. He's being in your face. Watch. Get your priorities straight. Not because he's mean or it's some kind of, it's because he loves you. He wants to be with you. He wants to be ready. He wants to be watching for that. He's jealous for you. Imagine an indifferent Jesus. Oh, I'm going to come one day in all my glory. Hear the word. You know, and be prepared or not, whatever. I don't care. Horrible, right? It is his absolute passionate love for you that drove him to the cross for you is why he's saying, watch, watch, watch. And as we close here, this image of Christ, who's the king, mixing our metaphors here, but wonderfully mixing our metaphors, he's the bridegroom. And we are not only the bridesmaids, but throughout Scripture, the church, we're described as what? As the bride. I remember my wedding day. Let's all awkwardly stare at my wife who's in the second row. <laughs> when it's a small group, you know. I remember my wedding day 14 years ago, and you will testify I was svelte. I had, I mean, I had prepared. I had been, I mean, I had, I was, I was tan. It is absolutely impossible for me to ever look as good as I did that day. <laughs> I was in my tuxedo, and I was up there, and I know I'm doing a little dance, and the groomsmen were there, and the bridesmaids were there, and the aisle was about twice as long as the aisle here at Our Father, and I had not seen Leah, I had not seen the dress, and I'm looking, and I'm waiting I'm so excited, and I see some movement back there in the narthex, the lobby, and then the doors of the church were open, and there was my bride. Absolutely beautiful. 
And as I'm doing right now, I, although I don't have, I had strategically placed some Kleenex to wipe away the tears in my eyes. And the, if I could, I would have just run right up that aisle to grab her. And to think that God, we see into the heart of God in Christ as he is the groom, when he looks at us, his bride, despite all the times we've cheated on him and all the times we have been adulterous and all the times we've wandered the streets looking for other lovers and other gods and all the times we've turned away and he accepts us and he is that passionate and so excited to be with us, to be with you forever. Are you ready? Are you prepared? He makes us prepared by grace. Are you watching? Let's pray.